Welcome to the Collective Gamers Podcast. Today is Saturday, October 30th. This is episode 153. I'm Tony. I'm Dennis. And we'll put this up, if everything goes according to plan, on Sunday, probably late, because I, I don't plan to do it until I get back from Expo. We're still at Expo. We still have one full day of Expo 2021 in Chicago, but we have to record this at some yeah. point. And I think most of our expectations in terms of, of reveals and going around and seeing what's at the, the show and stuff. There's, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, there's still some seminars that are going on, but we're not actually attending the seminars because we saved money. Yes, we're cheap. Yes. So, but everything just like floods out of those rooms. As soon, and really, other than Chicago gaming, there's nothing to flood out. So. Right. It's, there's nothing expected. So, uh, this is going to be kind of, I think, Maybe the best way to approach this for the listeners is, let's talk about the reveal that we know about. Let's talk about our new game experiences. And then we can just kind of talk about Expo in general, because those that don't care can just, like, skip. Yeah. Turn off the just, rest of it. Yeah. They can just turn it off. They can go away. They can, yeah, because they probably don't. A lot of them don't. They probably also don't. A lot of them don't really, they don't really care how we feel. Oh, they not about our feelings. So, um, as we noted, Chicago Gaming, they finally have well again we already knew about cactus canyon remake but it's here yes now we have not played it yet and we haven't played a remake yeah we haven't played, we haven't played, played yet. Yeah. i mean uh, we've played cactus canyon right. on multiple occasions and my understanding is this does not have enhanced code i know it doesn't have the new lyman sheets josh sharp code that's going to come out but uh, what i'm not yet clear on is whether they "Quote unquote," finished the original code, or if it's really just vanilla. The way right. it sounded to the one person I we spoke with, someone we spoke with uh, Chris Garazno actually, mm -hmm. and I think he noted that on Vault Two, he he finished the game. So my guess is it's still vanilla. It's just the straight vanilla. But code. I didn't. But I, but we didn't dive in to find out if there was some Rocky Road in there or not. Right, because it, it's Cactus Canyon. So anyway, uh, Cactus Canyon is going to have a, a only two models, no classic edition. Mm -hmm. Uh, standard, I believe, was 8,000. Yes. The number. And then the LE limited to what? Uh, 1200. 1250. Okay. Uh, and that was priced more at like 9250, I think, in that neighborhood. Something Under like 10. That. Yeah. It, it, it it was, so, they were surprisingly closely yeah, placed yeah, together in yeah. cost. Yes. And uh, as you, we're recording really early <laughs> in the morning right now, so we're only looking up so much because we're in a hotel room. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, most of the buzz that I saw at the event was about the topper. Yeah, pretty much. That was the only thing of... What's well, the only thing that's new? Right. So, <laughs> it's like, what else can you get excited about? Now, I, I have not gone up and gotten a really good look at the topper. I've looked at some close-up photos of it, though. Yeah, and and I, yeah I, I saw those. They rolled it past us while we were standing there when they were rolling it into the game room after the talk, and it's a pretty good size topper. It looks like it makes that machine pretty darn tall. Well, and you know, I'm not I'm not huge into like I don't dislike toppers. I dislike how much people seem to think they go for now. But Chicago gaming has always had a pretty good topper game. Yeah. I mean, the Attack from Mars topper was a pretty big hit when it and I remember when we saw it at Texas Pinball Festival, I was like, that's one worth having. Right. Just because it's so 
interactive with a little marshal. They're not dropping dropping a thousand dollar topper that is a sheet of plastic mm. with some lights behind it right. and something laser etched into it. Right. What, but what I think was for people where they're not sure is, is this a topper that they'll be able to buy and put on the standard or is it only with the LE? I wasn't clear if it's known yet or not, but I think some people were jumping on LEs because they won topper. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is with the sheer number of LEs that are actually available, uh, there's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, though, I, and again, uh, is it sold out yet? I'm not clear. I know people weren't sure if they were in on an LE or could get one yet or not, but this is, I mean, I guess, you know, I've often wondered, I think like a lot of people, uh, go, why do they not, why do all these pinball companies not do reveals at Expo? It's like, well, I can tell you now, it definitely wasn't convenient for any of these distributors at Expo because yeah. they're trying to run booths and stuff, and all of a sudden they're busy dealing with emails and phone calls for this mad rush for this game right? when they should be working the floor. And at the same time, it's also, I think, we're learning that a more controlled environment for a release where you don't have to worry about the hiccups and the issues that could pop up is probably a better mm. overall. Now, this was when we weren't in the seminar, but uh, now our spies tell us that the approvals for this license were, I guess now two days ago, the day before the reveal. Yeah. They finally got permission to show the game. So I don't know what the seminar from CGC was going to be if they were not allowed to show these games. Um, and they've, they've wheeled them out to where people can play them now. Uh, on the vendor side, but uh, so that that was interesting that it was because again, I mean, I can only assume it was the topper because what else is different? I don't know. I don't think anything. So it's like if there's no code difference, uh, if there's so, no, I don't know why it took so long. Uh, now, rumor has it the the actual seminar was a cluster, like came across super unprepared. Presenter was late by a, like by a quarter hour, right? Uh, I mean, just sort of, you know, unprofessional style. That's my, that's my read from what, how people describe it. Was. Yeah, that's, they that's pretty, what it sounded like. Attendees me. in the, in the seminar were pretty steamed about how it was to sort of, you know, slapdash together. I, I guess, uh, Zach, for, who I co-host with over on the pinball show, put together a, um, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I've seen a link to it, the, a video kind of teasing it, which did a cleaner job as, Produced videos often do. So I'm well, sure. you would hope. So I'm, I'm sure, too. you know, rather than, I don't know if they record the seminars here or not, but I would say don't bother with that. If you want to see video, go ahead and check the straight down the middle video out and go with that. And then I'm sure Pennside's getting way more photos. Uh, I saw some on there last yeah, night. There were so, a fair number. So anyway, so what are your thoughts on, I think we've touched on it before, but cactus, like I've never been in the market for a cactus canyon because it's, it's okay. We know someone who, who has one. We've played it a lot. And I yes. just, it's always been one of those games that I'm more than happy to play it, but I've never had an inkling of a desire to own one. No, not at all. It's one of those games that it's like, okay, yeah, that was fun. That was enjoyable. Uh, but no, it's, this is the first game that CGC has put out that I have zero interest in mm-hmm. picking up. That 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 it, I mean, even if it was like, oh yeah, money's no object. Uh, I I just don't care. Maybe right. after the new super secret special code is out, and if it's really good, maybe. But it's not out, 
and from the sounds of it, it's going to cost extra to get it. So you are got to factor that into whatever it comes when you're purchasing the machine, that if you want the new Super Lyman code, that's going to cost you more. We have no idea how much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that. That's an excellent point because that's the other thing is well, they they did say this even if you get the LE, this additional code is extra money. They haven't said how much extra money. So everyone's this feels like how it was up until recently with the Stern Insider Connected uh, kits to convert the Spike Two games over that didn't come with Insider Connected. It's like how much is it going to be? We don't know. I mean, now Stern sent a lot of messages that through George Gomez that they were going to really try and keep that price down. And at least currently, that, those kit prices have been announced at two hundred, and a lot of people thought they'd be three hundred. So yeah, um, so I don't know on this. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a bit of a. Actually, I want to say that I think it's a miss to at this point for CGC not to be able to say how much the software expansion will be because. There ain't going to be like shipping container issues that affect the price. So there's, in my view, there's honestly no excuse not to have the price set at this point. You either have a skeleton outline of what Lyman is, and Josh are planning to do, and you know how much, like, if it's like 50 modes and you think you need $1,000 for it, that's one thing. And if you think it's going to, okay, no, they're going to do an expanded set, but it's still going to be kind of like 90s level deep, and we're going to ask for $250, you know, right. what, what's going on? Well, and then, I mean, and this might just be the whole logistical side of everything in my mind is when you're running it, when they drop it, will it be complete code? No. There's no way it's going to be complete, never have to be updated, changed code. So that means that they have to track who has paid for it, who's allowed to have it. That means you're going to have to have full up logins probably to get code updates from their system for that specialist code so that they know you've paid for it. It, yeah. There's a rumor already. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to class it as a rumor <clears throat> going on on Pinside that this may require additional hardware for the expanded set. They're not going to even have it as like a USB thing. Oh. But rather, you're going to, you're going to get, wouldn't it be interesting if they like sent it on a ROM chip that had to have a special board or something? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're charging like a grant. A lot of people are all, I mean, everyone around Expo is all talking a thousand. That's where the mind is at. A thousand dollars. That's where the mind is at. That's where the mind is at. And again, that could just be self-perpetuating. You hear, you hear Martha say a thousand and you hear Bob say a thousand. And so now you say a thousand. I mean, it could be. It could be. I just, I just, if if it's a thousand dollars, it better be more than just code. But why, why if you're rebuilding a machine, uh, if you're putting it together, would you put it together in such a way that you'd need to add hardware to add code that you've talked about since the beginning was going to be part of the project that you're doing? The only reason I can think of of adding hardware is like a DRM style, like this, we're doing physical DRM, sort of, this is how we're going to make sure people don't share it and undermine our business model. We're going to... And remember, I... I think, didn't they have something sort of similar where they talked about how uh, you couldn't use, you couldn't throw in a larger screen on the Medieval Madness classics? Uh, and then ultimately it turned out there was a way, but because they eventually started selling and expanded. Yeah, it was the... Those, uh, I, think, I think, if I'm remembering that. It was, they had the special, you had to pay extra for the special color Medieval... Oh yeah, uh, the color thing. Thank you. The color oh, yeah, you're the, right. 
Because it wouldn't take the color DMD, color DMDs, and you had to get the Chicago gaming mm-hmm. specialized ones to make it work or something along those lines, if I'm recalling correctly. Now, the pen side thread seemed pretty excited that this was like a good DLLE. It's I'm, assume, I'm assuming that's because it was under 10 grand. Because I can't think of any other reason to say that. It, it's pin side. I mean, it's significantly exactly, more. They're excited than, at a dumpster fire. It's a, it's a significantly more than like what was Medieval Madness LE8. I think it was around eight. Yeah. And that's like the standard price now. So granted, there have been price increases, but I don't know that I would necessarily call it a good deal. Right. And that's the thing is you're looking at, it's like, oh, it works. Oh, it's under 10. Ooh, special. It's like, it's a 90s game. It better be under 10. So, anyway, so that's Cactus Canyon Remake. Uh, so, let's go ahead and hit on some of the games we hadn't played before that we've gotten to, thanks mm-hmm. to Expo. Uh, let's do one where we've played the pro model of, and that would be Godzilla. We yes. finally got to play the premium edition. And uh, also get to look at the LE model. So, what were your thoughts of, of the premium? It was so much better than the pro. Which is an unusual thing to me, because 90% of the time, when it comes to the Sterns, I think the pros are more fun, and they mm. shoot better, uh, while the premiums have lots of fancy, fun doodads. But in this specific case, the premium, with that building and everything, was so much more fun uh, than a game that I already thought was a ton of fun. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't... I wouldn't rate it as a lot more fun than the pro, but it is more fun than the pro for me. So, and it's just, and I didn't get the building or the bridge to drop, but the building mech specifically, just because of the diverters and the levels, basically because it changes the feet. Mm-hmm. It just feels like the, well, it feels like it's not that there are more shots. It almost feels like it though, because there are more different, there's just, there's different returns. So right. it just, it feels like there's more going on. Because thanks to those diverters in the building. And so that really stood out though, because it just makes it feel a lot more just, it's not so samey. Right. It gives it more depth. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was good. Uh, so yeah, definitely. Oh, it's too bad. The price is, oh, I know. Uh, cause, but anyway, uh, we should have a premium coming to 403 Club eventually. Um, and I think we now have two pros in the Kansas City area on location. So, uh, pros a great game, but yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, after playing the premium, I'm like, yeah, I can see why people are are jumping for that one rather than the pro. The building alone, um, not to mention the, I mean, like the Mecha Godzilla was is cool. I like the little ramp shot into his tummy and stuff. Yeah, better than what the pro one does. That wouldn't be enough to, to make me want to buy it. The building would be though. Yes, the building would be, and the bridge at least currently it's not used enough. As I noted, I couldn't break it down to be like, well, it's just a it's a sometimes food. It's like a cookie. So sometimes it's a cookie. It's sometimes, food. but anyway. So that was fun. So I mean, that's definitely a, a hit for Stern uh, for people that care about how uh, how good you know about good games. So, uh, so um, now we also played uh, actually the very first day of Expo uh, Legends of Valhalla. Yes, we did. Which is the American pinball game that was actually originally done by Riot Pinball, and I think. All American Pinball has done is essentially produced it at this point, like with their cabinet and stuff. But I believe everything else is straight from Riot Pinball. Now, uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, we only put in a game on it to get a get a feel for it. it. 
shot better than I was afraid of, but it didn't. You know how some games catch you just like right the first time you play it. It's like, oh yeah, this one didn't do that. Mm. There, there was nothing. There was nothing that really jumped out at me and grabbed me and was all, hey, this is something special. Yeah, the uh, I thought the layout's unique, um, and it's it's pretty slow based, so it shoots. I thought it shoot. I, I think it shoots well. Uh, obviously, a single game. I don't have enough time on the code to be able to say whether the rules are good or not. It looks like there's there's a lot there to do, mm-hmm. so I think it's pretty well thought out. Um, few things stood out. Now, obviously, uh, you're probably aware there's there's controversy regarding the art package, and that and the multi layers to the controversy. So there's controversy regarding one uh, one piece of the side art in particular which has a dead woman on it, and a lot of people find that objectionable. And then there are others who find just the overall blood level in the art package objectionable, which we have heard on other games yes. as well. So, not going into whether they... And again, I think this is the just the art package that Riot put together. So, because I think... I, In my view, American Pinball has been under an art microscope ever since the issue with the monkey on Oktoberfest, right. which I think was by... At least by my account, was a was an inappropriate image to to do. It was just I mean, yeah, monkey, no, was... monkey committing assault was a bit extreme. <laughs> this is a violent theme, so I, I see where the artist was going with. And you you know you can have all sorts of debates about should you should you convey this? How much of it was authentic? How much of it is still too stylized? Um, uh, Business wise, just my judgment is. Doing things with like lots of blood on the back glass, on the sides of the cabinet, that stuff only costs you sales. So even if like I like The Walking Dead, that's a violent. It's not as violent as this, but it's still sort of a it, right. it's sort of a gross. It's sort of a gross <laughs> art package. They have done better if it was less gross. So right, this is a rule for anything. That's just uh, yeah. In no, that's all. a good general rule. I think it's one of those things you have to you need kind of need to pick a lane. You need, either need to go safe with it, or you need to lean in hard to it right. and go for the extreme violence. This is one of those things where if you go right in the middle of the road, it's going to hurt you more. Right, and and I think some things for those who haven't seen it. It's weird because there's there's a lot of blood on the sides in particular, but it's also really cartoony. Yes, so that's probably what you're you're getting at in terms of like pick a lane. Or yeah, are you trying to make this look like real Vikings or is this like Nickelodeon Vikings? But then you threw, threw, threw blood, a bunch of blood you everywhere, threw a bunch of Venture Brother <laughs> blood splatter yeah. everywhere. It's like okay, I mean, I I I I think I get it, but but like from a and maybe from American Pinball, th- this is like a, a a niche run. I don't see that's weird too because the, the, there's been controversy on that. Oh, there's always controversy. On pinball. So much controversy. Now another controversy on this is that they started the run at 300 of the oh. of the LE units, and then they upped it to 500. That's a huge upping. I remember when Stern upped the Monsters LE run, and there were people like, Rip. "Yeah, come on, guys, you just now because." LE buyers, if they're wanting something collectible and special, you have diluted the specialness by making more units. This is how right. it works. Those wanting to profit slash flip have have an issue there as well, obviously. And maybe you don't want to coddle those people, but right. Those, but those people have an issue. But anyway. they might pull out of the buy. They might pull out of the buy when it's like, well, you almost doubled the run. Yeah, when you're looking at what we end up seeing, it was a sixty some odd percent increase of the run. Yeah, it's like sixty six percent. That's so yeah, and. 
Now, now this game, I believe, the Ali run of it is over 8,000. Um, I don't know yet what's going to go on with their... Because, like I thought, well, maybe they're only planning to make 500 total. But they're planning a, like a non... Like a standard edition model, too. Right. Which I don't... So I don't know how much American Pinball's hoping to sell. I heard a rumor... Rumors everywhere. Her Expo rumor that American Pinball was... Ideally, they'd like to, across both trim models, sell a thousand. Like, that's their goal for their games, is a thousand. Which, from what I have heard, would be pretty robust for an American Pinball sale. Like, maybe Hot Wheels exceeded a thousand. I don't know if the other two did. Right. I don't think Octoberfest did. I can't no. imagine it, really. But... Um, kind of in the context of what's going on with uh, Cactus Canyon, like, and the pricing, just sort of knowing the, like, how do you think the hollow, like, if people were, I mean, some people just consider everything. Do you think, like, Cactus Canyon remake costs American Pinball Valhalla sales or anything? I mean, it's the only I new thing here that, that's newer than Valhalla. I don't know that it, if it will, because they might be I think they're probably targeted a little differently. Because I've heard some people, I, I, I would agree, I do think that the, the targets are different. But again, I've heard, I heard at least one person here talking and saying, well, it seems like you're getting a lot more bang for your buck with the, what you get in an LE Cactus Canyon than you get in an LE Valhalla. Right. I mean, I, well, I, and, I don't know. It and, seems like different markets to me. But. Yeah. Well, and CGC, I think, overall has a better um, reputation. Uh, well, yeah, I'd say, I when mean... When it comes to the games, because of what they're making are, are proven games. So yeah, you know yeah. you're, you know what you're getting into. When you pick up a, a, a Medieval Madness or an Attack from Mars, you know you're just taking a game that's already top-tier S-class and it's being slapped into a new sexier bottom. Well, you tell Cactus. <laughs> Most people don't know it. Right. But, but having played, I'm like, Cactus is not an A-tier game. I just, I can't, I can't class it. No. I think if they hadn't cut the, I mean, whatever, I know that it was a transition game for Pinball 2000, but had that been given like a full run and wasn't under any pressure, that game would not. That's no, no medieval madness. There's no attack from Mars. Definitely not. Um, uh, one other thing before I want to continue with that sort of comparison that you brought up, though, was uh, the animations. So Valhalla has gone with a let's throw a lot of static imagery up on the. Let's like my take was we have a screen, but we don't want to animate for it, so we're going to do a lot of static images and throw them up on the screen. I was talking to someone at the show, and they were like, they really liked that because in their view. It's better to do high quality still images and put them on the screen than to do a crappy animation job. But to me, it also stands out that you've got this whole big screen and you're not really doing anything with it. So I wonder, I wonder what your thoughts were on. I think that there's still, there's still enough nostalgia. There's still enough interest. I think that if you're just going to do stills and not do anything fancy with with an LCD, go back to the DMD display and lean into it. Mm -hmm. Drop the DMDs, lean hard into the DMDs, because there's still a lot of people, I still hear people all the time say that they would rather have a DMD <clears throat> than a lot of the LCDs that are out there. 
Yeah, you know, I don't know if people would put their money where their mouth is on that or not because no one tries it anymore. Right. Uh, you know, the closest was kind of like, uh, I thought was, was it Thunderbirds was the last one? <laughs> Thunderbirds had a lot of things going on with it that <laughs> worse than anything with the display. Um, my thinking though in this instance is I, now personally, I would agree. I would rather see, like, if you don't want to do animations, I'd rather see you go with an alphanumeric. Uh, if you want to do oh. animations, if you want to do animations, but you don't want to go to the, you know, because you still need a dot to animate. It. Right. So, so to me, it was like, are you not wanting to do any animation at all? Uh, if you're, if you're more comfortable doing like dot level animation, which was less work, took less people, then, okay, do that route. The issue, of course, is most likely, you know, if you're going to a company like American Pinball, I imagine they're like, we're not designing a menu system for these other screens. So you're going to use an LCD because why would they go out of their way? To accommodate, that's the thing. right. You know, because normally if you're ever doing uh, audits and maintenance stuff on a numeric and alphanumeric and a D and D, they're all different systems because they have because uh, of what they can offer you. So, so I could see the you know I got that feeling with TNA when I bought because there's not much. There's a cool kind of like animated like reactor thing, but it's basic. It's real basic. It's all mm-hmm. loop, and the screen doesn't do much other than pop up messages. Other than that, animation wise, it's not impressive. But I imagine Spooky was like, that's the, that's the menu. <laughs> you need it for the menuing. We're not going to go and just use the numerics for the menuing. Our menuing is in no way set up for that. Right. So, <laughs> Which is, that's a really interesting way to look into it because I am a big fan of alphanumerics. Um, I really kind of like the general look you get when you've got just the back glass and just the scores up there mm-hmm. with just the alphanumerics with none of the other fancy stuff. Uh, I, I would be all into a game that just dropped. Alpha, I, that had a bunch of alpha. I think for, it. if it was a niche run, I could see it. Right. I could see I it. I can't see it on a major run, but I, I think, I, I think it was, I, I like the look. It's a clean look that I enjoy. Now, you mentioned the thing about, you know, like CGC and the quality and really focused on the titles. One of the things that <clears throat> for a while now, both CGC and American Pinball, have had pretty supportive uh, fan bases for their build quality. These Valhallas are going down like left and right at the show. Oh my gosh. It feels like um, like an invasion of the body snatchers because I'll walk away, I'll come back a few hours later and it looks like a Valhalla body has become a Hot Wheels body. Yeah. And it's like, they started with like Eight or something. I don't know. I didn't. I don't remember how many. It wasn't much of a line. They I were, think. Yeah, they're, they're, they, they had at least five. They had five or six, I think. And uh, we got on it pretty quick. And then I saw a couple were turned off later. And then I think I don't remember how many there were still left yesterday. But I was like, I think there were four left maybe. yesterday. And this is like I don't know what's going on, but and so it's in a way it's funny because one of the, the one big thing i've always heard about american pinball is they have this great build quality but i'm telling you it's funny because and it's probably unfair but being at a show and just walking around and watching more and more valhallas disappear off the floor is like this comes across like this thing doesn't hold up right and now it could be because this is these are early production oh there are, or, could be a lot of a lot of but, legit reasons but, but it doesn't give me confidence correct and just on the game we play, on my ball three, uh, it tried and failed to launch the ball into the shooter lane mm. 42 times. 
before it successfully put the ball in the shooter line. My, uh, I, because we were playing the same one, I had, I did not have it to that extent, but it did on one of my balls. It kept, yeah, just like it could. I, it was weird because it was like, I wasn't even sure it was trying at first. Right. See, that's why when I looked to the side and I saw it and I started counting and I know based upon how, and, and, and I, oh, and I say 42. That's an estimate. Right. I counted 36 attempts before it successfully got up into it. So I'm taking how often it was attempting. Right, you mapped it. Out. I mapped it out. I'm, uh, my estimate is a low 40s to get You're it up. You're a professional podcaster. It was for a pretty accurate yeah. estimate. You were it there was, for a while. Yeah, no, it was like, it took longer to get it in the shooting trough than I think any of my ball times on the game probably <laughs> were. <laughs> <laughs> so, and again, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's one of those, it's like, uh, you know, every time. We've been at Texas Pinball Festival, and I've gone to try. I've still never played Big Lebowski. Every nope. time I've gone over there to play it, it's broken. Yep. And that's the impression I have of it, is Dutch makes a broken product. Yeah. And that's probably totally not there, but that's the reality that that you get at a show like this, is you look at something, and it's like, why is it down all the time? Well, these, I was so impressed with how many they brought. And then it's just like, they're just yeah. going down, going down left and right. And it's like, oh, that's so unfortunate. Um. But yeah, again, it's it's early. For, I'm hoping whatever it is that they, they can suss out, or maybe some that's just show specific stuff. I mean, I know you're throwing a lot of people on them, but again, if someone wanted to route it in an arcade, you know, in an ideal world, they're going to throw a lot of people on it. It needs to be able to hold up all day. Yeah, ideally, ideally without someone you know mother henning and hovering over it, sort of thing. So there was that. Um, we did go over to the P3. We have not played Heist yet. Uh, we tried to yesterday, but then I saw Steve Bowden was there and just started a game of heist. And I'm like, yep, I ain't standing in line <laughs> waiting for him to finish heist because this could be a this could be a while. Uh, but we did get to play Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes, we did. And that uses the Cosmic Kart Racing playfield. Yes, it does. So we only did a game on it. What were your thoughts? It was boring. I mean, that's a, it, it, I played it. It didn't like really excite me. I thought it was kind of interesting and the the targeted shot that it goes for. And that's a thing that I've seen in other P3 games. It's very targeted and you go for it. But in most pinball games, you've got your very targeted shots that are your big points. But you still feel like you get something if you miss your targeted shots. In this, no. No, you just, it doesn't matter. If you miss your shot, nah. It's not, you don't get the little blue go, oh, there's a hundred points. It's just like, nah, you suck. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was okay. Like, I get the RPG mechanic <laughs> has potential. I don't know how broadly appealing it would be to pinball people to do what they were, how they were approaching how, it. Right. Um, it was like, so I, I mean, again, it was only a game, so I don't want to, I don't want to overstate. Uh, I, it has, because the Cosmic Heart Racing playfield is very fan, the shots are all straight, right. you know, just all spread towards the back, and you've got all these entranceways. And again, they're using the screen to tell you here, shoot here. So it'd be like, okay, I've gone to the bazaar or the dunes or whatever. I mean, I was making some shots. Yeah. And then it's like, here, hit one of these uh, three shots to start to learn a spell. So I make the shot. And then it's like, now make these shots to learn the spell. And I didn't do so well there, but I, it finished the timer, so I got the spell anyway, I guess. I did not successfully go into a dungeon to use the spell, 
And then I, I saw in the, you know, it had a good instruction screen, but it talked about like a shield. I don't know if I have to earn the shield or what, or if that was this anti-Baldur. Cause I like, yeah, those are, cause P3s have three buttons on both sides. So I started trying to use the other buttons to see if I could get them to do anything. And I don't think I had what I needed. I, I was sure I wasn't ready to fire my magic. I didn't have magic. Missile, but I kept calling it magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, it is that game has a very, it has a very shareware feel to me. That's how I, I think I that's a good way it. to put it. That's how I would describe it. Feels like shareware. Uh, it looks like a phone game. Very much. That you play pinball on. Now, I love the Cosmic Kart Racing module. I like the mechanics of yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. The mechanics I, of the module. I, I like it, and I like, I like, of all of the mod, various modules I've played, which again, haven't played Heist, I like the feel of that module best, though I didn't really enjoy Cosmic Kart Racing. Mm. And I didn't really enjoy this. It's it, it's weird because it's a module. It's like I mean I like I think this module has a lot of potential with its mechanics. I just haven't played anything on it yet that really gets me going. It looked it looked clean. It was pretty easy to identify what you needed to do. I thought they spelled out the instructions really well. Didn't care for the sound package on it, and I just I don't know. If I had it and I had a Cosmic Kart, I don't remember the price on it. It's a few hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have all the other stuff. I mean, if you're a P3 owner, I imagine you probably just end up buying anything for your module anyway just to get more stuff at this point. Because it's not like there's a really deep library. Yeah. Um, and I think in a home environment where you can play around with this more, because it seemed like there, it would take you quite a while. I mean, you have to go to a location, go get your spell, and I assume go and use your spell. That's quite a number of steps to try and do in a game for a lot, for the average person. Right. So there's probably a lot on that to it, but I don't see that. I don't don't see that game moving units. No, I don't think anybody would buy a a P3 to play Sorcerer's Apprentice. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, I I get where they're going with it, but it's just, I mean, broadly speaking, one of the things I really noticed with it is, uh, especially when you're like trying to go to the dunes or whatever, it's just, it just feels really barren. Because you just have this open screen where you just got, I mean, there's just not, there's no art. Right. Targeted things pop up. Yeah, no, it wasn't, uh, it was okay, but I would never, I would never be in the market for something like that, I don't think. Uh, unless the price was really low and the, with me already having all the other stuff for it. Right. And um, he, yeah. And I mean, it's just one of those things. It's kind of, I've on, I mean, this is one of the things for me. I've always, I've just really struggled to have, uh, the particular games that P3 does click with me. A lot of them are, are okay. Just, I haven't hated any of them, but I don't, I don't love any of them either. So. Right. And then, and this is, and, and it's to the point, it's like, well, you can have Godzilla, you can have P3. I'm still going to take Godzilla. I did like, the, how they integrated the light show on Sorcerer's Apprentice, though. I thought the light did, show I thought was, they did. The, a, I thought valid. they did a really light good show job. Was the, light. Good. the light was going to stand out to me. Um, so, yeah, I'm still not a huge fan of the triple button placement. My fingers touch I, it weird. Oh yeah, I I actually on my first ball, I didn't even remember there were three buttons. I kind of didn't read the instructions, and I didn't look, and I just happened to have my hands play. Like for me, the flipper buttons are in the natural position, right. so I don't notice that, but. But when I started having to think about, oh, I need to do other stuff. But that's kind of, I have that issue with 
like any game any... that have no more than the two clever bites. Yeah. So that's a, that's a me thing on all sorts of stuff. So. Yeah, because I've had that issue with multiple games too. It's like, oh yeah, there's a third button I just don't ever remember. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple weird games because we played that what Mach 2.02 that had the weird flippers with the deep indents that your fingers. Yeah, throw. I don't I even remember who made that. that. Was, you was did well at that though. Matic or something mm-hmm. like that. It was weird. But the buttons felt weird because they had like really deep indentations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk about the games. That's a good transition. So let's talk about just kind of the expo, what's going on at expo in general. Cause we covered all the new stuff that was new to us other than, uh, ideally, uh, hopefully we'll get time on heist t- today. And, uh, my plan will be we can just talk about it on our next episode. We, right. We're, since, we might, if we need to, we may record a, a supplement to this one if necessary, but I don't think yeah. there are any more reveals to happen. I so. mean, it, it, I think if there's like something huge. Yeah. Tony and I are on vacation. We're only going to go to so much effort here. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, now this is a show that's organized by Rob Burke. There are a lot of really weird and unusual games that are on the show floor. You mentioned that, that mock game. He's got. Some of the, I mean, there are people. Mark 2.02, Spinball, 1994. Okay. Uh, we saw, uh, like, some conversion kit games. Um, just a lot of really rare stuff. Uh, a lot of broken games. Yeah. I, you know, that's something that happens at every show. There's always broken games. There's always broken games. But, but we'll do a TPF comparison, but, but, I'll, I'll hold on that first. Were there any other games that kind of sort of stood out to you? Um, see that game, uh, the Joust. Oh, the the EM the, Joust. The EM Joust, not the Valley the, the Valley Joust. Yeah. yeah, that that game stood out to me. That's because it looks a little bit like something you own. That's true, uh, and only the loosest sense of very like, loose. Shoot this number, this they like go yeah. around the playfield and shoot these shots, but it ain't the same playfield. Nowhere, nowhere near at all. Uh, that that was interesting. Uh, there's been several things. The, I liked that Starfire, the William Starfire. Oh game. yes, that game was that game was fun. I like that. I mean, they've all been off. But, uh, except for the one, but those kind of transition games oh, that like have the, the 1960 moving from the wood rail where they got the big weird front for like the whole 12 packs of cigarettes. And yeah. And, and, and everything. Those, those, I like the look. They've got like this like fifties boating feel and they've got like the legs are the big old huge fifties and sixties chair legs, the table legs. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's uh, a I'm uh, sure there's a term for it. I just don't remember. I don't know what it is. I just I've I like really the look. It's a, to me, it's a super retro look. Yeah. So and I and I kind of like it. It feels like it would be go really good, you know, in the room uh, where you've got your uh, uh, Cadillac trunk couch. Oh. And all your, your maybe one of those chairs that's an egg. Yeah, it feels <laughs> it's like it's it, her egg chair. They feel like they go real well in there. I think that I, I just like the aesthetic on it. Um, so let's do. We've been to Texas a number of times. We're planning to Once go or twice. here. We're planning to go here again in twenty. What was supposed to be our twenty twenty trip? Twenty twenty two. Um, in terms of like show to show. This show feels so much less to me. It does. There's like, 
It feels like there are less vendors. It feels like there are, well, it doesn't feel like there are way less games, way less games. And it seems like the percentage of broken down games is way higher. Right. I mean, and in the, and, 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 and it's important to stress that it's the percentage. Because you couldn't be looking at the same, like, number of broken down games. There's sure. just so many left. But at Texas, like, I see techs all over the place going around. And I saw people working on games yeah. at Expo. But it, I mean, the way it looked in the free play area, I can't, I can't comment on the tournament area, but in the free play area, it feels like, and I'm making these numbers up, it feels like Rob Burke has supplied 80% of the games. Yes. And 20% of his supplied games are not on or they're not working right. Right. And I'm just like, this is not a, this is not a great impression coming off of a show that is now there are things because of how Texas is that I like about this bear. It is way easier to walk around here. Yes, it's way easier to get on games here, and it's way easier to find people when you separate. Yes, uh, Texas is like a rat's nest where you're just feeling like you're walking in the serpentine pattern. You're without r- rhythm, so shy will go meet the pinballs or something. And I'm just like. At Texas, I can go through, and then the next day I find new vendors because apparently there was one little turnoff that I missed, right? And I couldn't tell because it's so tight. Well, and in in the big thing is like, there's been multiple occasions where because at Texas our hotel's so much closer that you know one of us will go back to the hotel room for something or to drop off some stuff we bought or oh yeah, we're driving all the time. Yeah, and here we're driving all the time, but also at Texas. You'll walk back to your hotel room, do whatever. You'll walk back, and it'll take 45 minutes or an hour to try and find the rest of the group mm-hmm. without sending messages and, and arranging a meetup. Where here, you walk back in, and it takes like five minutes. F that. It's like, dip, dip, oh, there they are. Yeah. Yeah, and this, I mean, uh, this has plenty of places to sit, which has been nice. Yes. Uh, it just... So, and this, I know this is the first time in this facility. There are a few things that I'm, I'm going to assume they're going to change, uh, for the next time around, or I hope they will. You know, one of the early things we ran into is when we showed up to, uh, register and get our, uh, our bracelets to get in, uh, it was not clear that there was a separate place to go for everything but the tournament mm-hmm. and uh, there was this line we were in thankfully someone told us there was just tournament. it was just the tournament that was pouring out in the down the hallway but there's no signage right i saw someone put up a sign later it wasn't uh i think that just sort of said it was the tournament area but again it was handwritten it, you couldn't read it from any distance right uh and the line was gone by then so it wasn't a big kind of like a i think that might be a lesson learned from that for them later on now, I have been hearing there have been some issues with the tournament, but I've always heard Expo's tournament isn't particularly great. Yeah. I mean... I do like the how, how the delineation they've done between the um, vendor area and the game area. But mm-hmm. I do also, at the same time, think it hurts them because the vendor area tends to open hours and hours after the free play area. And in all honesty, I would say the the game count in the vendor area equals the game count in the free play area. Yeah, I, I my guess is there are probably uh, more games in the free play area, but pretty much all of the new stuff is up. Like the yes, like I 
I think there are less than six LCD screen games in the three-play area. There's like a was. Yeah, no, there's and, there's like one section and then where somebody has a, has like yeah. all of the JJPs. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and there's a thing over by the restroom area that I think has a maybe one or two LCD screen games. Yeah, I, th- I think there's the one, vendor area. Yeah. is got like what we're used to, like the. The fl- I call them the flower design layouts, like how Mark Marco likes to likes to do with all the new sterns. You know, you got like the JJP sections got the JJP stuff. American Pinball's got a really strong showing of games. I yeah, the Hollas and Hot Wheels and and Houdini's mm-hmm. and I, I I'm guessing Oktoberfest. I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't one. see an Oktoberfest, but I, but I saw the other ones. They've got a lot of games there. Uh, you know, it's like so. And it, and not only does the vendor section tend to open hours later, it also closes hours earlier. Yes. So, so like the first day, I got thrown out of the vendor area because I was there by the once the time hit. Right. So they were going around telling me, you know, you need to go over to the free place. It's like okay, but like, but there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing new on the free place side. Now, right. I'm I'm more than happy to go around and play play EM games if they're working, um, but. Once I played them, I want to usually at shows I go and play something else after that. I don't want to just stay on the same game. So it's like yeah, it'd be nice to have some of the other because most of the people that usually if I need to find someone, I go over to the vendor area because most of the people are hanging out around the new games. Right. There are there are only only so many times you need to play a uh, ballet about blackjack before you're like, okay, it's probably enough blackjack for today. It's two. It's two. It's two. It's it's okay. Maybe I'll I'll go home and look to see if I can find one for six hundred. Yeah, you know, so that's one of those. Yeah, back in the day that would have been the price. I'm sure now it's over a thousand. But now, uh, just some other show comparison stuff, or just in general, uh, there there are a lot of other pluses. Uh, you know, just for us, uh, for those that don't know, because we're in the Kansas City area, it's actually essentially identical time for us to go to TPF. Oh yeah, yeah in the, Dallas or here in Chicago, it's an eight-hour trip one yeah, way. Yeah, the, yeah. The drive time, the difference in drive time is literally like minutes. However, it has been so much easier driving in this Chicago traffic than it is in Dallas. Yeah. I was shocked. I thought it would be worse. And I know we're not in downtown Chicago, but we weren't in downtown Dallas either. We're in no. Frisco. It's another suburb, just like we're in Schwamberg or whatever. Yeah, it's and, and we hit we hit Chicago at the we hit up here. Just at the starting, like opening seconds of rush hour, because we hit, we got hit up here right around four, but traffic wasn't nearly as want to smash your head into the steering wheel as Dallas. No, nope. and is. and with and in Dallas, uh, other than coming and going, and most of the time because the facilities are the hotels are also close together, uh, we walk and they have food trucks. Mm-hmm. Expo doesn't have any. Uh, all right, it's got a concession area. So does Dallas. So does Dallas. Right. Um, which, but it's like everything's. Well, stuff's not far. It's not really walkable. Especially not because right this second, looking out the window, this is the first day it hasn't been overcast and raining all day. Yeah. So, so I mean, there was there's stuff within a mile or so, but it's on the other side of the highway. I'm sure there's probably crosswalks and stuff, but it's just like. We're driving to everything here, but it's not that bad. Like, right. There are parking lots and stuff, and in the Dallas area, I'm just like, and I, that's not the show's fault. It's just like, yeah. 
Dallas didn't didn't like the road system as well. I guess is my takeaway. <laughs> so it's been more enjoyable, uh, you know, actually not tra- both traversing in the car and actually traversing around the. I mean, there's there is plenty of space in the. I don't feel Texas. I have to step out because I feel almost claustrophobic after a while. The sound in particular, yes, kind of overwhelms me. And it, I have never been like I need to step out of here. Like I would if I need to take a phone call, but it's not like I need to step out of here because my ears hurt. It's not right. like that because they've got enough space in the in this facility to that. It's not like this is not like how it, Texas is a, a cacophony of, of chaotic sound. And so that's been that's been better. Um, food's good in both cl- places. I would go ahead and give the edge here to Chicago. Though. I think so. Uh, I, it just feels like more diverse fare. Uh, maybe some of that's a start. The choices we're making and versus. You know, the same old food trucks that you see at, right. with, and, you know, outside of when the show's not running, we, we do hit other places in Texas, but. But we have kind of settled into our. We have a routine. A routine that we hit in Texas, and we might end up with the same thing if we came back here multiple right. times. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, this is, and I get it, because it's Expo, and we're in the, we're in the heartland of the capital of pinball. There are a lot of, I mean, obviously, the people who work for most of these companies are here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you are interested in being the programmers, the rules uh, designers, the playfield designers, the engineers, like, you get way more of that here than you do in Texas. In Texas, like, the hardcore, dedicated, like, the Steve Ritchies come out there. But, but, right. <laughs> you might not, you might not get the, the lead engineer from every single company. To, if you if you can identify them and fit their brand, so right. there have been a few that I that I, I've run into. Like the, there's the guy who has uh, helped fix a game who does the prototyping for JJP. He he had some interesting stories about the past games that have already come out that he worked on and stuff. So that's been that's been neat, yeah. Uh, when when you have that happen, and then of course we know a lot of people around here from doing podcasts or the other shows we've done. And, a lot of Kansas City folks came up, for example, to play in the tournament and do a show. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have just gotten out of that cabin fever. Like, we just need to and see, that's kind of do that something. Was, and that was our thing. And, like, you and I had talked at one point. Even if they canceled Expo, we were still coming. Just yeah, we just, it just become a Chicago It's vacation. just become a thing. It's just like, I just need to decompress. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, it's been pretty good. Uh, I like our hotel at the Drury a lot better than this one. I do. I I agree. There's enough space in here. This is. I would rate this room as better than our Holiday Inn room or whatever. Or our Hilton Garden. Well, Hilton Garden Inn. Excuse me. We've never been at the Holiday Inn in Texas. But the Hilton Garden Inn. Uh, like in this one, if you had two more people, there's more clearly defined floor space without tripping over people that you could put sleeping bags out or right or whatever. Um, but 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 this is a strange room with no real. Furnishings. It's, yeah. It's odd. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. But not a big deal because we're not here too much. But. Right. But I'm, those are all the main things that stuck out to me about the show. Any additional thoughts? Um, I like, I, I very much like actually, uh, the large collection of classic arcades that are here in addition to mm. the pinball machines. Um, I know that even at, at, TPF, there's always arcades, but there's a lot more here, and the diversity of the ones that are here includes a lot of games that I've never even heard of before. 
So it, it was interesting just to have that little change up and just kind of going around and trying different things. I like that. I like the, and like I said earlier, I, I kind of like the layout, the way the layout works. I like having the vendors all pushed together. On the other hand, it is kind of nice at TPF when you're wandering, like you said, and you'll just, they'll be like, oh, here's a bunch of games and here's like one or two vendors and here's a bunch of games and then there's here, oh, here's another vendor. But at the same time, the fact that there's just a vendor area where I just it's like yeah. I want to look at stuff. Texas's thing is um, is a bit of an anomaly. I think most events, most shows that I am familiar with, the vendors have their own space, right. a vendor hall. And I overall, I would say I I do prefer the expo approach for that, in the sense that if you want to go looking for product, if you want to go buying stuff, it's nice to know it's all here. Right. I get where, and, and maybe I'm wrong on this, I get what Texas, I'm assuming what Texas is trying to do is say, hey, people are going to be going around, you're going to get so much more foot traffic and exposure because we're surrounding you with all these games. And in the vendor area here, it's like, you better have brought your own games and stuck them in your booth or else people are not going to have a reason to come and hang out around the booth. Yeah. Uh, well, but at the same time, and now, again, in 2022, this might not be an issue, but I remember thinking in 19 and even in 18 when we were at TPF that it almost feels like TPF has outgrown its space. Yeah, no. TPF, uh, I can't praise TPF's layout because, like, in an ideal world, you'd be able to map that stuff in. And yeah. it's like, it's confusing. It's, confu- it's, it's too confusing. It's confusing because here everything is like a grid. Like, okay, they could put way more games in this facility than they have. And right. ideally, and maybe that's the ultimate plan. They need to figure out a, a better way to incentivize people to bring games up here. But that's not my problem to solve. The, <clears throat> if they keep the layout, though, where the big rows and things are just really structured and logical, that's good. In Texas, and I don't know if it's because of the vendors or because there's so much demand or what, it's not like... Here's a row of pins, and then you go two feet, and then there's another row of pins. It's not like that. It's it's, it's serpentine. It's looping. It has dead ends. It's weird. Yeah. It's weirdly and, laid out. And one of the big problems is because they're squeezing as much the, it, it, TPF in as they can in uh, in a space that is far too small, that there's not nearly as much room between the rows of games for foot traffic to pass while people are playing, waiting to play. I mean, if you've got a group of four on a machine, on a machine and a group of four on a machine behind them, there's only enough space for like a single file line to pass between them. Yeah. TPF. Yeah. They're, and, they're maximizing the space as best they can. Right. I, they just need a bigger space. Yeah. And I don't know what, I would assume there is something there in the Dallas area, but. It's, it's a price but, thing. Which I'm, I imagine so. Uh, also, who knows how many years worth of an agreement perhaps they have entered into. I, I don't know if they do. I, Organizationally, I no where I am at and where I used to work, we always entered into multi-year uh, conference arrangements. Uh, in part so that you could be sure you had the business. Right. So that you needed. So, yeah, I don't know if they're, if they're like that or not. With, with the, So anyway, and again, the, maybe uh, Expo had that problem before because I they were at we never went when they were at the old space. This is the Correct. first time at this space. This space is pretty good. I like this space. And this space has a lot of room for growth, you can tell. Yeah. They're yeah. using just a small portion of this space. Right. 
but in the in the war of, of shows, like it it depends on what you want. But I guess my my statement would be, you know, unfortunately for Expo, unless you are just as a pinball enthusiast listening to this podcast, unless you are just like your big desire is to go out there and meet as many people who work for the pinball industry. Texas is a better choice. Yes. Unless that's that. If that's what you want, then Expo is where you need to go. But if you're like wanting to play the most games, easily Texas. Uh, vendor selection, easily Texas. Like, I was shocked at how few mod companies are here. Yeah. And I think, I mean, and Expo has this huge, huge, like continuous run of seminars. You gotta pay a ton extra for the seminars separate from everything else. And most of them are very niche and targeted, which is great if you are in that niche and targeted thing. But I didn't want to spend an extra, what was it, 60? Like 60 bucks. Yeah, not not to totally cheapskate it, but that was my, that was my same logic. It's like, I don't want to pay 60 bucks just for the CGC review. Yeah. Because I, I don't know, did what? It's been a while since I looked at it, but did it seem like half of the presentations were all just uh, tips on, uh, like, restoration? Yeah, it was all restoration or uh, home. How many people were a store? Yeah. I, I, I don't know very many people who do. I mean, yeah. maybe that's not... So, yeah, if you're into restoration, you expose the show for you and sign up for the seminars and learn all about all the different ways to think. We'll, we'll yeah. plug it like that. Because I'm just like... I looked at the list, and I'm like... This is not, it's, yeah. coming at it from a, like a work perspective again. So and most of the listeners know currently I, I do, I do work in public health. When I was planning our 2021 conference, uh, one of the things is when I'm picking out the schedule of presentations is I try to avoid them being samey. Like I don't want two presentations on the women, infants and children program. One's enough. We don't need two presentations on how to apply for grants. One is enough. So, again, it's like, because otherwise people are like, why are we kind of touching on like different perspectives of all the same topic? Right. And if this were a thing where it was like, here are these workshops and they're running concurrently, which of the three do you want? I could see doing it like that. But then maybe having the same people do the presentation two or three times over two different no. or three blocks. Well, and see, like, when I go to work conferences, it's the same way where they just delineate the blocks. Like, it'll be, okay, here is a three-hour window. The seminar inside this three-hour window, everything here is going to be about biosolids. Mm-hmm. So there might be eight presenters in that three-hour window with their papers and their stuff. But this block, this is the biosolids block. This is the biological nutrient removal block. This is the disinfection block. So if you want to go and learn more about disinfection and certain types of disinfection, you go to the disinfection block and you listen to, you know, eight, ten people over the course of that run. But then it's not like you're sitting there and it's like, okay, this next disinfection guy is like in four hours. We'll come back. No, you don't do that. It's here's my block. Okay, I'm done with this block. I can go do other stuff. And I think that's a better set. Like if they wanted to set up, here's a restoration block. Like Friday morning, 
the first four hours of Friday morning is just people talking mm-hmm. about restoration. And then, oh, we want to talk about homebrew rules development. Okay, that's fr- Friday afternoon. Homebrew rules development talk block. Sure. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah, that would be, that would be one way. That'd be a good way that they could approach it. Uh, another item I participate on, not to bore everyone with non-pinball conferences, but I, I, I do help plan in Kansas the Governor's Public Health Conference. They added me to that team last year. The way they do it is they behind the scenes have established blocks. So the way they do it actually is it's more like tracks. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we're always going to have something that targets uh, leadership in local health. We're going to have something that always targets maternal child health. We're going to always have something that targets uh, substance abuse or mental health issues. And then every single hour or whenever you run mm-hmm. your workshops, there's always one in each of those topics. Now, you're not locked into a particular track, but then when we make sure that there's so, if someone's always like, I only want to learn about maternal child health stuff, there's actually always a workshop, ideally tailored to the person that wants to learn about that. Yeah. And that's how they do it. And they, we, and so it's like, there are going to be five different blocks of time during the whole event. So we need, and we've got five tracks. So there's always going to be five of each and do it like that. So this just seemed like, and perhaps it's unfair, but it just kind of felt like, so who's around and what do they know about? And people know the restorers and that's who gets invited to do the stuff. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're, again, we weren't in the things. I'm not saying that the presentations are bad or anything, but it did seem really samey when I read through the lesson. I was like, this is all really very, like, I don't think most people kind of the expo are into this, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, like, I've I, worked on uh, games for a long time. I have, I'm not interested in restoration. I would pay someone to do it. I would not, like, my idea of restoration is putting in a new board. Right. And, and that's about as far I as I peeked goes. into some of the, like, through the open doorway, no. and some of them were, were, there were a lot of people in some of them. I don't know which ones they were because I, I didn't pay that much attention. But if you paid sixty bucks, would you feel compelled to go and just and be like, oh, I need to sit? Right. I can't walk on this concrete this long. I need to go to sit. I'll listen to someone. I'll learn something. Because I mean, if I had bought a seminar ticket, I probably assigned them. On yeah. Because okay, let's see. Just just going off today, Saturday. Uh, it's currently nine thirty at nine a.m. Uh, the thing was collecting advertising memorabilia. That could be interesting if that yeah. was the type of thing you were really into. And then it's followed up by uh, homebrew, uh, a homebrew Black Knight pinball machine made built completely from scratch, followed by custom pinball cabinets, followed by shipping pinball, followed by Q&A about banning. So, I mean, there's stuff in there. It's just some of the stuff, none of it's anything that jumps out at me. Intro to reading EM schematics. That was yesterday. Just, it's one of those things. Yeah, yeah. No, the, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a fair point, but it just, yeah, some of the stuff seemed very, well, I mean, some of the, even the ones you said, so much of it was on working on. So there's a lot of working on stuff, which it's pinball stuff breaks. I I get that. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know how many, yeah, I mean, maybe there was demand. Maybe we're wrong on that. Maybe this is, I mean, to be fair, they do, it seems like they do way more presentations here than they do at TPF. Yeah, it feels that way. But at TPF, uh, we don't have to pay extra to go sit in on one. Right. And there was no a la carte option, because there were a couple of things here that were interesting to me, 
And I was like, I just cannot, again, I'm just, it's, I guess I'm, I'm too much of a cheapskate. I just could not justify buying a full package three day thing when I wanted to go to one thing. Yeah. And it's like, I just, I can't do it. You're not offering an a la carte. So like if it was like here, 60 bucks for all of it or $10 per, I could have seen myself dropping 20 bucks to go to a couple, but not. Right. People gotta understand I gotta eat. I gotta save this money. I gotta buy my walking dead mods that aren't here. All that stuff ruined. No walking dead mods. So sad. Well, uh, this will probably be the end of this then, and, uh, hopefully we've made it back okay, and I put it up sometime on Halloween, like I planned to, because gotta, gotta do a little bit of editing and get the intro in and stuff, but, uh, those I wanna reach out to, oh! We did get an email. I want to talk about the email. We got an email. Yeah, so let's just drop it in here at the end because everyone's already hung up on it. We us. got a P mail. Everyone's hung up on us. Yeah, we got one, so I wanted to want to go ahead and mention it. I usually do that kind of early in the show, but you know, we're kind of flying, we're kind of flying blind here. Yeah, so we, we got, got an email about the Twitch hack. Oh, so is he kind of video gaming? Yes. Uh, so this is from Ian. So Ian writes to us and says, "Love your podcast. Thanks for keeping me entertained for a little bit every couple weeks. Wanted to comment on the Twitch leak." I think there are two points that you might have overlooked. The first is that anytime your competitors can analyze your pricing model, they have a big advantage over you. They could use this information to target certain segments of your creator base. Trust me, they are freaking out about this. The other thing is that the source code releases is huge. They have probably spent $100 million developing all the systems, and now it is available to hackers and competitors alike. Thanks, Ian. Um, the... So, in regards to... I think he's got a great point about the source code. I think so. I think And that, we didn't really a, touch on that at we all. We didn't, because we mainly but, concentrated on the stuff that was more... Uh, the more headline-grabby type things that would have jumped out at most people. Right. Uh, the pricing model one, I'm not as sure about. And the reason is, because all of these uh, partners and uh, affiliates have... And maybe I'm misinterpreting what he meant by pricing model. But because they had agreements... I mean... We already knew, like, what share of bits, what share, like, we know the percentage, like, like, uh, how, we know how much Steam takes as a percentage of all the sales. Like, we already know that in terms of pricing. So, uh, we already knew how much the Twitch deal was in terms of, cause any, there have been plenty of people who are, maybe not the biggest ones, but will go on and say, oh yeah, well, I get half of all the bits that are donated. Right. I get, I get half of all the sub money that goes in is how the model works. So, because that part's pretty transparent anyway, because the, the, uh, the produce, uh, the, I don't know, clients, the, the partners and affiliates, mm -hmm. the contractors, there's so many of them. That information has been out for a long, not to mention most of that stuff's been published publicly. Whereas our, our focus was on, we didn't know the specific dollar amounts that were going to particular individuals. And I'm not sure knowing that changes. I the landscape much for Twitch other than if people are really uncomfortable having that known, maybe they're like I'm going to be you. I mean, I don't know. It's well, a big I deal. Think it, I think it, it is, but at the same time, I think it hurts them uh, because it will make it easier for YouTube gaming, Facebook gaming, all these other people to make offers to snipe out higher players. That's a good streamers. point. And maybe that's where he was going at it. Because, that, that, because a lot of the really high end ones do have special arrangements. Yeah. But now that you see the dollar amounts. Yeah. Maybe they could go in and say, because they and want, Microsoft used to do that when they had Mixer. Yeah. They would try and poach some of the biggest names and they did. Yeah. And YouTube gaming's poached people. Facebook gaming has, po has poached people. 
And it's one of those things where they can just walk in and go, okay, it's like, we know over the last three years, you made $6 million. Okay, that's cool. We'll give you 10 for three years. I, I mean, it gives, it gives them a solid footing to start the negotiation. Sure. But I do agree with Ian. Uh, it is a good point that we didn't really mention that just any time a competitor, he mentions the pricing models in particular, but if a competitor knows things about you and you don't know things about your competitor, they do have an advantage over right. you. And it could be significant. And, and and like you said with the source code, this could end up being a, a more major issue. Like if you start mm. seeing uh, things appearing, competitors adding things that are very popular with Twitch. Yeah, and that's I, always going to be a concern. I mean, I now. guess Did they learn it from that, right. or is it just right? Parallel I guess creation. I or? guess Twitch could. I mean, in theory, Twitch could litigate and say, you know, you're using stolen source code, but they'd have to prove it. Right, and it's going to cost them money to do so. So, yeah, I mean, it's more trouble than not having to worry about it at all because your source code wasn't out there. So, yeah, that one definitely could blossom into a big pain in the butt for them. Yeah, uh, at least for if. if for no, even if they could stop them all, just legally and the costs associated and the time spent smacking down people that are cloning your stuff because it's so readily available now. Right. Even though it's still technically protected IP. Because it didn't become open source just because it got released. So, so anyway, interesting email. So thanks, Ian. Uh, and now I will close this out. So you can email us at collectivecamerspodcast at gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash podcast. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamer. And we should be back in a couple be- weeks. A couple back. beats. A couple beaks. No, beaks. Beak, beak. Bird beak. Anyway, regardless of if we drop the beat or smack the beak, you punch that bird in the mouth. right in the mouth. That was a bird being punched to the side. Don't, don't, don't hit birds. It's not nice. We should be back in Kansas. Will there be yet another reveal? Hopefully not. You gotta be done. Actually, no. Rumor no, mill we're is. not. I bet nope. you there's one more. Rumor mill is Rush. Rush is announced in December. Oh, yeah. I forgot to do Rumor Corner. That's your new Rumor Corner. Today's Rumor Corner is Rush is coming out in December. Board design. I haven't heard who's on code. Who do you think? Could be Lonnie. I haven't like seen Dennis Lonnie in a while. I am not on code. I don't, I don't do rules. I just judge your rules. <laughs> That's what that's what we do. That's what podcasts do. We just judge you. I just slam my face in the keyboard and let's we'll, see what the we code is. We don't judge is. you. We judge your product. We try and keep that distinct. It's coming out with the Da Vinci Code. But uh, that'll be it for now. So I'll just say goodbye, everybody. See ya.